0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me, where hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and we love turning experiences into advice. As we talk through the seasons of life, we really wish someone would have told us about. Now, if it's your first time here, hi, welcome. We are so excited that you jumped in with us. Last week was a big week in the No One Told Me world. We had our second birthday. Did you know we have over 100,000 downloads? Of course, you don't know that. How would you know that? But now that you do, and we wanted to celebrate. So that's what we've been doing over at NOTM podcast on Instagram and on our No One Told Me Facebook group. So if you're not following us, if you're not in the group, listen, you want to be. It's a good time. I'm probably sharing way too much of my personal life in there. But you know, here we are just doing it anyway. So just click your way on over there. Hang out with us in between Mondays. This week's conversation is part two on a topic that has inadvertently or sometimes obviously woven its way into the canvas of most of our lives. After releasing part one, I heard from so many of you sharing your heart and your thoughts on shame. Whether it was navigating a divorce, the way your body changes, the way you care for your family, maybe it was how you navigate your marriage or your reaction every time someone asks you about your dating life, shame has shaped a lot of us, but I think the sooner we can learn the warning signs, the repercussions of giving this negative emotion room in our lives, well, the sooner we can learn how to grow forward instead of being trapped by falling backward. My friend Connie is a counselor who not only walks alongside her clients through the damage done when shame enters the pictures, but she's also seen what it can do in her own life. Our conversation around how to recognize the emotion and how to restore some healthy rhythms as we walk through it, it was so good for me. And I really think you'll feel the same way. Okay, here we are. I just want you to know before we hit record, Connie, we were set to start this an hour ago and we've just been sitting here talking because we have not seen each other or gotten to talk since probably the
1: Boundaries episode in January. There's something about being able to see people face-to-face that creates a space for you to feel comfortable, for Mm -hmm. you to feel loved on for you to feel like that, like, you're a person, which and, and to see people's facial expressions. I mean, yes. we're both holding microphones. So we're not wearing masks. For those of you that are wondering, we're not we're sitting about six feet apart. So we will keep it keep it real and keep it on us there. We're but safe. It's been great. Everything's, safe. Yeah, everything's safe. Everything's safe. But well, yeah, it, was it was funny, good. you said
0: that we were just talking about the season and what it's been like. And you said, you know, as a two, we're both twos on the Enneagram. Yes. And you said, I knew that you know, you want someone to want people to check on them without being prompted to or asked to. And you said, that's why I texted you. And I'm sitting here thinking, I said, Connie, I really don't even know if I texted you back. That's a black <laughs> hole to me right now. That whole season of my life is just a black hole. And I don't know. And also I'm just the world's worst texter in the world. Like I'll see it. And you will probably get a response from me three weeks later where I'm answering a question that is no longer even relevant
1: at that point. Rest assured you texted me back. I must've hit you at a really good time that you felt like that you cared. Could... Or I was just happy that someone cared. Someone was like, <laughs>
0: Hey, are you alive and okay? Are you drowning yet? Are you, are you, are you still kicking over there? Because it, it was a weird time. I think it was, I know we've probably talked about it into the ground. You feel like everyone has talked about it on some degree, but for you, Connie, I mean, this is my favorite question. I just kept thinking, okay, who am I going to become through this? What do I want to keep doing? What do I want to stop doing? What am I learning about myself through this whole season? Because it was different for everybody. So before we jump into our actual topic, I want to start there with you is what are some big things that you've
1: learned about yourself through this whole weird year? So I don't think it's over. I think I'm still learning, which is a good thing. But as I kind of thought through, like really, since February, I started working from home mid March, about March eighteenth, and worked for worked from home for twelve weeks, which is really odd to have clients in your home space. <laughs> it's really it's really odd. But okay, did you, did they Zoom? Yeah, and so, so, we so they're all-
0: looking around trying to fit. That's what I do on Zoom. I'm like, how they decorate back there? What <laughs> what do they got back there in that living room? I've never seen their living room before.
1: Yeah, so I have a small, very very small home office that I kind of uh, revamped a little bit, because because... because it was also also my craft room, my DIY room. And so I had to kind of clean that part up. So there was a few things that were on that were so on they the opposite see your side of the booking. screen. Right. They were on the opposite side of the screen. And I used to tell my clients, you know, you're, you're not seeing the, the stuff that I'm working on. So that was kind of nice. But I had a big bookshelf in the back, you know, like everybody does They have that big bookshelf that has all their 900 books. Did on. Did you there. color
0: coordinate the books?
1: I did not. That was supposed not. to be one of
0: your quarantine projects is you're supposed no. to color coordinate your books on your bookshelf.
1: My quarantine project is that bookshelf is gone now. I got so tired of looking at it about probably about six weeks ago. I took the bookshelf completely out of my office and I changed. Because every time you was. looked at it,
0: it stirred like a
1: little bit of PTSD in you. <laughs> exactly. I can't go back to that. I don't want to go back to that. So self-care was so, so important for me because what, what ended up happening for me is that I could end up working more hours, right? Because I don't have a commute to work. I don't have a commute home. And so I found myself probably about six weeks in going, hold on a second. Like I really need to, I really need to pay attention to what's going on. And so I started going for a lot more walks. Like I would get up early in the morning and go before I started seeing clients or I would, you know, take a break in the middle of the day or try to fit it in at the end. And it's been harder to, to incorporate that back in. I haven't figured out the rhythm. You were talking about rhythm, like... We we started with a different kind of rhythm, we changed rhythms and now we're changing rhythms again because, you know, some things are available now and some things aren't. So that's one th- one area for me that I just I don't think I I knew I always knew it was important. There were always things that I did, but you had to change the way you did it. So I had to be creative with it in a lot of ways. The second thing that I think I still am trying to, you know, do every single day is put on my oxygen mask before I'm putting on an oxygen mask for somebody else. And I'm a two on the Enneagram. To a fault, man. I mean, I I want to help people. You and I were just talking about just the intensive need that has come over mental health in the last really six to eight months. It's just been overwhelming for a lot of clinicians. We're just in the spot where we want to be able to help people, but we're having to turn people away. There's just not enough time, enough that's hours a, in the day. You know,
0: that's what we talked about the episode that I did with Emma back in May, and she yeah. said, "Come fall, there's going to be a little bit of PTSD to this. Like people aren't going to feel." the effects on on what this did to them mentally and emotionally and spiritually for a couple more months and I remember thinking that's a good point I don't really think that's true for me but that's great for somebody else I'm glad they're hearing that and then as we sat here you know I was just telling you I have been at a sprint pace for so long I don't know how to stop sprinting I don't know how to slow back down I know a lot of people got to slow down in this season I just wasn't one of those I don't know I mean to the point I was sharing with Connie before we started, I created unhealthy habits in that season because my mind was always racing. I started having like chest pains, started getting headaches and shortness of breath to the point where I thought I had COVID because it was similar symptoms, but
1: it was anxiety and stress. Well, and and the things that, that you have not been able to do. So you filled your time doing things and and oftentimes things that you love Mm -hmm. But they're not necessarily the best things for you. Years ago, I listened to The Best Question Ever with Andy Stanley. And you know, he did that video series and the book and all that thing. And all of, in, in all of that, those three questions that he asked based on past circumstances, current past experiences, current circumstances, and future hopes and dreams. What's the wise thing for you to do? And I think for all of us, like this is a current circumstances, but it's, but it's also a past experience for us too. And we have future hopes and dreams to really have a good rhythm of stuff. So we have to figure out what's wise for us and what's wise for you and what's wise for me going to be different. Like I need that community I need that support so those are just two two big areas and and the last one I would say Callie is community is so important oh my goodness I didn't have any idea what it was like to lead a small group on a zoom I don't want to do that I
0: don't I wish I never had to find out what that was like because mine did it twice and I was like, I'm just going to shoot straight with you all. This is awful. And I'm not
1: doing it anymore. So I will see you and we can gather again. Well, and that makes so perfect long. sense. Because I think many times when I logged on for for any number of things, any kind of group thing that we were doing on Zoom, the conversation was con- centered, centered around the pandemic. It wasn't really centered around what we really probably need to be focused on. It was centered around that because that's what was running our life at the moment. And so I, community is so, so, so important and And we've had to be super creative to get it. but and I think we're continuing to be super creative with it. I mean, unfortunately, that's just the way that it's going to be for a while. Well, and it's that leads
0: into the topic that we are tackling with this episode. Community is something that we isolate ourselves from when we find ourselves carrying around this emotion of shame. And even when we were talking about it in preparation for this episode, Connie, it, blows my mind how i look back and it's an uncomfortable topic it's hard to be vulnerable about and share about because the very emotion itself shame you hide it instinctively and now to sit here and try to talk about it with any sort of real honesty is so uncomfortable because looking past over the years you see how it has shaped so many of us in small ways and big ways the goal here is not just to have you sit in it, because I feel like we've done that long enough, but we want to help map out some next steps, some healthy things that you can do to start stepping away from whatever you've been carrying for so long. But when I reached out, and when I started reading, I just realized that it's a thread that's woven in all of our lives. So for you, Connie, how have you come up against shame in your professional and your personal life?
1: So it, it, it comes up Often. (laughs) I can't even tell you how often it comes up. Probably, I would say on average, four to five times a day, um, in four to five sessions a day. And it may not the, the word shame may not be used. The, the other the other word that goes with that, of course, is the guilt. And so I had to really honestly, Callie, I had to sit down and go, Okay, let, let's separate these out. Because I think there's a really big misconception on what those things are. So just really quickly, this is this is something I, I just had to write it down. I said, Okay, so guilt is tied to an event. Okay, so I did something bad like, so, so that's kind of how we define guilt. But it, the reality is, is that you're it's tied to an event. The shame piece is tied to a person. I am bad. Okay, so when we really try to look at the I, I am bad piece, that shame piece, that starts, gosh, from such an early age. Mm-hmm. And we start thinking and viewing ourselves our perception of self, other people's perception of us that's, that's projected onto us, or that's the opinion that's given to us that we just automatically adopt, mm-hmm. that we automatically assume I'm a bad person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as I kind of think about it in, in my own life, you know, you think about mistakes that you've made tied to an event, right? And we feel guilty about it. But what what ends up happening is that if we don't manage those guilty feelings and, and pay attention to what that event can teach us, then it goes into shame. And so I, personally, I've seen that happen over and over and over in my own life. If I let all of those guilty feelings about all of those things that I've done, things that I've done to hurt other people, things that I've done to hurt family, things that I've done that that were not just the best choices, things that I've done to hurt myself, you know, honestly, that, that haven't been the wisest choices for me. There's a lot of guilt that goes with that. But the shame piece puts you in a totally different category where you just continue to label yourself and you're not allowing the opportunity for there to be restoration in from that event. So I think it, I've seen it over and over and over in my own life, and and I've definitely seen it professionally. Specifically, one of the things I wrote down was just you know in marriages, you know, there's there's guilt and shame for and faithfulness. There's guilt and shame for parenting. There's guilt and shame for recreational activities. You know, whether it's around drinking or substance use or any of those categories, there's there, there's shame and guilt around you know how we how we interact with one another. <laughs> How we either support somebody's passions or we don't.
0: Well, and that's to even the uh, talking a little bit about that guilt and shame. I feel like guilt in the way that you just described it too, is if you don't push for growth through guilt, like if you don't identify what's happening, and then push toward growth, then you're just going to lean toward shame automatically. It's almost instinctual. I talked a little bit about it last week. But it's it's so natural to us to lean in that direction, because it's been a part of our human nature for so long. I mean, look at Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Absolutely. So it is instinctual to us to go in that direction if we don't intentionally push for growth in the other direction. And that's what I think I want a lot of this conversation to be around is What first do you see as kind of like the manifestations of this emotion in us? How does it come out in our actions, in our thoughts, in our everyday life, in our relationships? Because I want people to be able to identify where it's at, because that's going to be the first thing you have to do before you can actually remove it and stop living within it
1: you are so right when you said like, how does this impact relationships? How does this impact your marriage? How does this impact friendships? How does it impact your work? And just a few of the words that I wrote down is paralyzing. Like when you have feelings of shame, the paralyzing that happens when you just autumn, you just feel like you can't move forward. You can't do anything that's going to take those feelings away, which increases anxiety, obviously feelings of being overwhelmed and uh, in, in one of the in one of the articles that I was reading, as I was just kind of thinking through some of this stuff, I wrote down shameful feelings lead to negative thoughts, which, which leads to negative emotions. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, so it starts and it's it's kind of like the cognitive triangle, you know, I mean, you've got thoughts and feelings and behaviors, right. And, I immediately thought, you know, when I am feeling in my most shame, you know, if, if for some reason run across something, run across a picture, run across a note, run across a journal, run across an article, run across a, even a scripture sometimes that can remind me of a really really tough place in my life, and and a place that brings out shame for me, then you know I start to have those negative thoughts, and so if I am not paying attention to that. If I am not aware, if I'm not, if I don't have enough self-awareness at that moment to recognize that those negative thoughts are happening, those negative emotions are going to take over. And we know that negative emotions typically lead us to places that are un- really unhealthy for us. And they can lead us to us having a short fuse with friends, with coworkers, with a spouse, with children. I mean, they can lead us to a place where, you know, we build unhealthy habits because we don't know what to do with all those thoughts. So we veg out on Netflix and it it just makes more sense to, to, to engage in that because that way I don't have to worry about the shameful feelings, right. And the negative feelings and the negative emotions, I can pay attention to all of that other stuff that's going on on the TV. I can look at those. So mm-hmm. the self-awareness piece, if, if you're not aware, then it's going to go straight into those ramifications. Mm-hmm.
0: So with that self awareness in mind, how do you walk with people through even what we talked about a little bit already, that difference in shame and guilt, because this is the second episode that we've touched on it even a little bit, I tried to set it up last week with that concept of guilt is something that has happened. It's an event but shame is it's me. I'm the problem. I'm, you know, like I'm going to carry this. Yeah.
1: So one of the big things that I really try to point out is that guilt is, is isolated to the individual and shame is contagious. Okay. So if we're paying attention to guilt, if we, if we're able to stay in that part of it, then we're able to identify within ourselves what we need to do differently. So if, if you're, if you're looking at the guilt piece, okay. And, and, from the christian perspective i'm going to i'm going to branch off here and just go christian perspective for just a second but if we're in that guilt piece and we're living in the moment we're paying attention we have that self-awareness and we're paying attention to it and living in the moment satan wants to take us from being in the moment back to our past so that takes us back to the guilt okay so it's really important to recognize is this a current circumstance or am I? Is is what's being brought up for me in my thoughts? Is this a past experience? Because what we have to remember is that Satan wants us to go to our past experiences, and he wants us to hold there and and to have those negative thoughts. But what we get to claim as believers in our past experiences is those are taken care of, right? We get to live in the freedom that God's taken care of that completely, and and through the cross. So that that's the thing that we we have to have some awareness about, like. If you are having those negative emotions, asking yourself, okay, is this a current circumstance that I'm having? Is this a current circumstance or is this Satan wanting to bring up a past experience for me? And so that's one way. Now, there are going to be situations where you have a current circumstance and you do feel guilty um, about it and it could easily move into shame, right? And it happens so quickly. Watch how, how quickly did it happen for Eve? Milliseconds milliseconds, it can happen. And so it it can shift into that. So I think there's got to be the opportunity for you to pay attention to how you get back to living in the moment. We talked about mindfulness, we talked about how you have to stay in the moment, in order to be able to, to really pay attention and have that self-awareness. So what does it take to do that? To move into mindfulness? Yeah. So I, I use my five senses a lot. Five things that you actually see, four things that you actually smell right that moment, three things that you actually hear, two things that you, um, feel and, and one thing that you taste. You can't deny what's actually happening in that moment, because you're actually using what's around you to bring yourself back to where you are in time and space, because our guilty feelings take us to the past, right? What does it
0: look like to actively deal though with the shame that you carry? You mentioned mindfulness, but I think this is close to me because I'm still in the process of that, of identifying it when it comes to mind.
1: Well, and, and, and just jumping off of that. So you have the self-awareness piece. That self-awareness piece can cause you to have some action. So the action piece that has to go with that, Callie, I, I firmly believe is that it's the action piece of the community piece of sharing with somebody about what, maybe how that event is causing you to grow. Now, listen, I'm not asking you to go and share all your dirty laundry with everybody, but let's be honest, there is freedom. I mean, why do we have some of the support groups that we have? Why do we have some of the some of the community groups that we have? Well, we have those because we share intimate details of things, life events, things that happen in our life that we have guilt over and that we have shame over and that we want freedom from. Okay. And so you ask for people to intercede for you. You ask for people to, to help you to pray specifically. And I believe the only way that we're going to get from the guilt and the shame piece is we have to let the Holy Spirit work. I mean, we have to be willing to let him work in there. And so that, that piece is the piece that we want to be in control of. Remember, the guilt is the individual. So this is all my fault. I have to take control of this. I have to do something to fix it. Listen, there's nothing we're going to do to fix it. There is not a doggone thing we're going to be able to do to fix that. But we have to trust that the, that the confidence that we can have is that somebody's already paid for all of that for us. And so we don't have to live with that, with that backpack of guilt and shame because how many of us put it on in the morning when we get up? And we, first we, thing we pick wear it up in the shower. Mm-hmm. We wear it in the shower. We wear it to fix breakfast. We wear it to go on our runs. We wear it to do our, our workout. And we wear it into work. so And a lot of times people can see it. It's not. Oh, yeah, we it's think not it's, it's so well hidden,
0: but it comes across in our words. It comes across in our actions. It comes across in how easily we give shame. Because a lot of times I think it almost, when you are living in shame, you want someone else to live in it with you. And so if you can give it out then you're you take the opportunity to do it.
1: I I wrote down a quote that I that I read in one of the articles that I was reading as I was just kind of thinking through this. And it said, no one can share in your guilt, but many can share in your shame Mm. because the the guilt is the event. So unless they were with you and did that event with you and they have their own guilt for that, or maybe they don't, but they can only share in your no one can share in your guilt, but they can only share in your shame. And if it's contagious, you better believe that people are going to want to share in that. And they'll either jump on that bandwagon of, of joining you with it and not claiming what we know about the Holy spirit, which is that we have freedom not to, not to live like that.
0: You know, I think about a lot. So I, we had some people over to the house. Some of my small group came over uh, a small amount of people. It wasn't a party. Everyone calm down. Don't turn me in. But a few people came over to the house and you know, when people come over to the house, you pick up, you clean up, you want everything exactly the way it should be because you want them to see the best of you and to know that you take care of your home. You take care of your family. You're going to take care of them. And always the catch-all in my house when we're getting ready for people to come over and there's stuff that's just out of place, but I don't have the time to figure out where it should go. We just put it in my bedroom. So we put it in the bedroom. We clutter it up. Everything goes in there. And then we shut the door. And I'll, I do it every time. If you come to my house and there is one door shut, no, it is my bedroom door because <laughs> there, I don't know what's going to happen if you open it because there's chaos on the other side. But I always do that. And I was thinking about when I was reading through all this stuff. And I think that's what we do in our lives is we invite people in and we create these a lot of times acquaintance surface relationships to begin with. And we were like, come to the best parts of our home, come to my kitchen where I've created something warm for you to eat and to sit down and to talk and then come sit down in my living room. And it's like, we will take people through these different rooms in our hearts and our house or whatever of levels of comfort. Like we'll start here, you'll be at my front door and I'll let you in and then we'll go into the kitchen and we'll sit and eat, get to know each other. And then let's get comfortable in the living room and I'll share a little bit more. But I think the barriers we all run into and why we struggle at times to find a deep connection with somebody in a really uh, lifelong friendship or relationship is because we always keep one of those doors closed because we think you can't handle what's behind this door. And that's what I think of my guests. You can't handle what's behind this door. It will completely change how you look at me. You, it will change what you think of me. You cannot. Yeah. We don't trust the people in our lives to be able to see behind that door and still love us and care for us. And I think that's the same for our relationship with Jesus is mm-hmm. we invite Jesus into our heart and into our lives. And we, uh, we flow, we throw open some of these doors that make us look really good. And like, look how well I loved that person. And look how, you know, I didn't curse out that person who just cut me off and look, you know, but then we have this door that's closed, that's deep down. And Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. That means every door, every door,
1: every single one. And when
0: yeah. we keep it pulled closed, it's going to inhibit us from an intimate, deep relationship to from an inhibit us from experience, the work that he wants to do in our hearts, in our lives.
1: You know, that's, I love the visual because I'm, I'm such a visual person. I love to write things up on a board or have things down on a piece of paper and just kind of just out, you know, uh, draw lines and circles and arrows and just how things are connected. And so I love the piece of that, that you talked about, like, who who doesn't want to go to somebody's house and have a warm apple pie in the kitchen? You know what I mean? And who doesn't want to have some fluffy pillows in the living room and for it to be an intimate place for you to for you just to talk about your day. But when the reality hits, and we need to be honest about where we are in our in our own journey, how hard it is for us, how hard it is for us to 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 bear that we would have guilt and shame over something that's happened in our lives. Mm -hmm. And, and, and how do you share that? How, how can people receive that? I think that's the biggest thing that we talk about that that we don't talk about is how it's going to get received. And so what do you do if, you know, you know, if you have a conversation like that and, and you, and you bear your soul and then, There's crickets or there's, you know, there's a a shaming that happens that, you know, well, you shouldn't have done that to begin with. And that happens from any number of those things that I mentioned earlier, you know, whether you are in a, in a group of people and, and you admit that you've, you maybe had an affair or or maybe this is how you spend your finances or, or maybe this is how this is language that's acceptable in your household. This is how you parent or this that, is yeah. what you
0: do or don't do. Or this is the how many week. times you go out to Chick-fil-A in mm-hmm. one week. Uh, it's always a lot more than I want to tell anybody. But then, <laughs> but then when someone's like, we've been to Chick-fil-A three times, I'm like, you are my people. Like, <laughs> You are who I can be in a close, intimate relationship with because you will readily admit I don't cook dinner every night. I don't want to cook dinner every night and it doesn't make me less of a wife or a mom. It exactly. just means I get more time doing what I actually enjoy doing with my kids. You know, and but there's still I even like I struggle. I just said that out loud. I'm like, oh no. I just said that I don't. <laughs> didn't do and I was even telling Connie like some specific examples for me guys there are times that I will not post something on no one told me's Instagram or Facebook or whatever like a great picture of the family or and Hagen my three-year-old he hasn't given up his passies at nap time yet and so I still he still has it and I won't post the pictures I'm like they're gonna judge me because my three-year-old has a and I feel shame about it or it's so silly the things that we feel shame about and The reason we feel the shame is because at some point we were given that shame. Mm -hmm. And then that turns the tables for us. At what points are we giving the shame? At what points are we not just the ones that are carrying it, but we are readily handing it out to others because we want people to sit in it with us. And so. Well,
1: it's the contagious. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we automatically, in order to continue to sit in it, we have to have somebody to sit with us. Mm -hmm. So we either invite other people or we automatically include other people maybe they don't maybe we don't even invite them maybe we just insert ourselves into their stuff and start shaming them for whatever choice it is that they've made there's there's some pretty powerful ways i feel like that we can get away from that if we're willing to but we have to be willing to have conversations about it first there has to be a conversation first and there has to be that door like you talked about that's open i was sitting here thinking <laughs> about coming to your house and seeing that the door is closed and what a representation, like what doors are closed and how do I represent those in my own life? Like, what does that look like? Does it look like, you know, not responding wholeheartedly just to a question that's asked that just respond with the good parts to the question? Like, how's your week been? It's been good. It's It's been pretty good. But but not being real about like, I've I've and, and again, we're not being Debbie Downer here, but, but let's be real. I mean, these are the areas that I've struggled in this week. These are the areas that I, that I could have done better. And, 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 and being hopeful that the person that's receiving that information is going to have grace, like the grace that we receive from Jesus and that they're not going to join me in that shame, but they're going to challenge me to grow from that. Well, that's
0: understand. I, I fully grasp the vulnerability that that takes. And that's not something that comes super readily to hardly anyone. It's okay to develop that relationship first to to create that kind of foundation and that trust, where you can actually open a, open that door to someone else and let them see that room that you've been hiding or whatever else. Because at that point, your burden's going to get lighter. I can promise you that. I'm not saying walk up to someone in the grocery store and be like, "Hey, listen." here's what I've done. What do you think about it? Do you want to, do you want to help me through that? Like, that's not that that's weird. That's just weird at that point, but it's okay to develop that relationship. But if you're sitting thinking, I feel like I don't have any like really close bonds. I feel like I'm not, I don't have that. Like no matter what relationship in my life, well, what doors are you keeping closed? Because however much you think it's someone else, a lot of times it's, it's both ways. And when you open up a door, chances are good. A lot of times people are going to open up their doors too.
1: And you never know if their door's the same as yours. Mm-hmm. So, whereas you may see there, you may feel like there may be some some shaming or some some conviction or you know any of that there there could also be some encouragement that says you know what I struggle with that too so let's make an accountability plan let's let's hold each other accountable to paying attention to the negative thoughts that that lead to those negative emotions that that originate from the shameful events you know let's let's try to figure it out
0: and that's so funny Connie that's such a great point because this podcast was birthed out of a mom who came into a nursing mother's room and you could tell she was haggard and worn out. And you could just tell she thought she should have been better at this or that she should have known how to do something or not do something or all this shame that comes a lot with your first time moms that you feel like, wait, I should just know how to do this stuff and I don't know how to do it, but I don't want anyone to know that I don't know how to do it because I'm afraid that it's my fault or whatever. And it was birthed out of more people understanding and opening more doors of our past to say, I was there. I felt the same thing. I did the same things. Let me tell you how I walked through it on either to walk through it with you or to keep you from walking through it. If we would all open our doors to take this analogy even further, if we would Mm -hmm. open our doors a little more often, think about the hurt and the pain we can save the people coming behind us. Avoid.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I was just thinking that when you were saying that, what if my door that and my guilt and shame is something that if I'm willing to share and like you said it's not somebody at the grocery store and please if you're listening to this podcast don't go to the grocery store and talk to the clerk about whatever it is that you've done this week they're not going to appreciate that but but do find somebody in in your circle and and maybe it's somebody that's a that is a new mom or maybe it is somebody that um has just gotten out of a a challenging relationship or somebody that's maybe in a new relationship or somebody that's trying a small group for the first time. So man, I mean the body of Christ is amazing in that it it provides opportunities. I don't think we take the opportunity enough.
0: I, and we don't because the shame keeps us from opening our doors. Or I would also say if someone wants to share with you, like if they have trusted you enough to open up and share with you a painful part, watch your face and watch your words because they are looking to you. They're going to, they're going to pick up on every single reaction that you have. And I remember learning that when I used to lead high schoolers and they would come in with these insane stories. And I mean, I like, I feel like I saw a lot of things in high school. Like I kind of got the lay of the land quickly but some of the stories that these high schoolers would come in, and I just remember being like, Callie, what's your face? What's your face? What's your face? Because my, I wanted, my mouth wanted to op- like just drop open. I knew the moment they felt shamed for an experience they had is the moment that they didn't trust me anymore. And the moment that they didn't want to share and open up with me. And I lost any sort of influence that I could have had in their life. If I did not respond in a way that continue to love them well, but lead them in a healthier direction. So just if someone chooses, it's an honor, it is an honor and a privilege for someone to open up to you that way and never take it for granted and watch your words and your reaction. And also if people don't invite that from you, if you're just posting stuff on social, if you're just responding to people, think about the impact it is having the shame you give is just as harmful as the shame you get. So we have to be more self aware of what we're doing.
1: Yeah, I I found myself over the last little bit really being cautious of and paying attention to sharing without having a relationship. So Remember I, I and I don't know about you guys, but I have social media followers that are not really my close friends. I mean, they're friends of a friend of a friend and and that's great, and I met them a couple of times, and they said, "Hey, let's be friends on social media." and I said, "Okay, sure, but th- th- they're not my close, close besties. you know, I think about you know the the house analogy that been shared across the board here if they're not you're living in your living room and your front porch you ain't got no business sharing with them. You know what I mean? Like they, they've they earned that right. If they're sitting on, if they're on your front porch or they're in your living room, they probably earned that right to be able to 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 hear. And they probably have what you called facial expressions and, and, and appropriate wording and appropriate responses. They're going to say, wow, I appreciate the honor that you would have to be able to share something like that with me. I'm sure that took a lot for you to share with me.
0: So to wrap this up, Connie, just any parting words, anything that as we try to move through and take those next steps?
1: Oh, wow. Kelly! I mean, there's so many, so, there's so much pain associated with this. So one of the things that sticks out to me is who are your people? When you sit down within yourself and you say, who are my people? Who, who can I trust? If you don't have anybody then it's going to be really tough for you to move forward. It's going to be really, really tough. And, and that may be the only thing that you need to gain from this podcast is that you need to know, you know what? I have shame and guilt in my life. And in order for me to move forward, I'm going to have to start taking steps and, and maybe your first step is, is, is going to somebody who's not associated with it at all, who knows nothing about the situation and who is coming from a judge, a, a non-judgmental place and a very objective place. And that may be a counselor. I mean, it may be. And I, and I know I am one, but, but regardless of that, that may be the best place that you start to start the process of healing. But the second thing I would encourage people to do is really looking at who your people are. You know, is it a spouse that you need to share with? Is it a close? friend? Is it a family member? And then as you start to grow and start to heal from some of it, there may be more opportunities for you to share with other people like people in your small group. And and maybe those are your close friends. Maybe those are the people that you share with. Maybe those are the people that you feel closest to. And that that's probably my greatest
0: passion is your healing can lead to someone else's healing, seeing the road that you have walked and knowing that you have walked it and gotten to the other side of it can be what helps someone start to take that road or to get to the other side of it. And so as you do start taking those steps and healing that pain, share it, let people know you don't have to sit in it. Because that's, it's like we talked about shared experiences are only powerful when they're actually shared. And when you're actually voicing them, even when it's uncomfortable, and even when it's against every instinct you have, that is where the power is.
1: So we get we get stuck in that guilt and shame. And we say, Oh, I have to tell them everything about the event. Mm -hmm. So that's one parting word that I would say to you is just because you've had a life event that's happened, and, and maybe it's a it's a failed relationship. Maybe it's engagement in something that was Illegal. Maybe it was something that would that you engaged in for a really long time that was really unhealthy for you. You don't have to tell every single detail of that whole life event. You can sum it up, and people are still going to get the gist of it. Because the reality is, is the more you talk about it, the more it goes back to the guilt and shame piece, and so you're just fueling what Satan wants you to do, which is to go back to the past. Mm-hmm. So just being mindful that it doesn't have to be every little nitty gritty detail. I don't encourage you to do that. And I think you'd agree
0: with me until you are experiencing healing from it. Sometimes we'll go through really difficult circumstances or a hard thing. And before we have even taken steps of healing, we want to immediately share it because we want to say, look how I'm different. Look how I like I've learned and how it's not me. It's them or whatever. If you can't speak from it to it from a healthy spot because you've never talked about it before, don't use it to advise someone else when you haven't even figured out what you've learned from it yet.
1: If there's still an emotional pain that is causing you to really not be able to to go throughout normal daily life and function, mm-hmm. then that's a pretty good indication um, that, that there needs to be some additional healing. Mm-hmm. So I, I would... I would definitely echo that 100%. I can tell you in my own journey that there um, were some things that happened in my life about 15 years ago that were just absolutely devastating for me. And, And I can tell you now that I don't like to sit and talk about the details of that. But I like to sit and talk about the promise that the Lord rescued me from something that could have been an absolutely horrible, horrible thing. And he was faithful and he rescued me. Now, let me ask you, let me say this. 12 years ago, two years after that happened, do you think my response would have been the same? Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And would I have ever wanted to sit on a podcast and talk about that? No, and I couldn't have seen myself ever doing that. And there's some shame and guilt from from some of those events from 15 years ago. But I can tell you now that I live in the power of knowing that Jesus took took care of every bit of that. That was my responsibility. But the reality is, is that I live in the freedom of that now. And so when I say this hits close to home to me, this is where it is, is that I can now live in the the power that the Holy Spirit has used to heal me mm. around the shame
0: and guilt. So Connie, we close every episode with one question. What's one thing you're so happy someone did tell you about?
1: It's something that my mom has always, always told me. You have no idea what people are going through. You have no idea what they're walking through. So remember... That how you respond to them may be something that they remember.
0: I saw a picture. I saw this a lot during quarantine, and it was a straight line. The whole line was um, blue, except for maybe five to ten percent of it was red, and it pointed an arrow pointed to the red part, and was like, "This is how much you know about someone's situation, but this is you judge it as if you know the entire thing, and that's so true to everything you see." everyone you talk to is you only are getting a snapshot of their actual life and you don't know the full picture of what they're walking through at that point so be gentle and be kind through Absolutely. all of it 100% agree hey Connie you're the best we're happy to have you again
1: thanks for letting me come you're on. our
0: resident counselor here right Tony, so I hope you can accept that title
1: I got it thank you <laughs>
0: I love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review or... You can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at e. Halla. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.